Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. I am fired up about the episode today because I am a huge fantasy football fan and owner myself and have been playing since the fall of 2004. And so I guess that makes this my 17th season of playing fantasy football. And so today on the show, we'll be talking fantasy football with one of the best in the business, one of the best analysts. It's Andy Holloway from the Fantasy Footballers. He's one of the hosts and and founders of the Fantasy Footballers, thefantasyfootballers.com, and they are the number one rated fantasy football podcast on Apple Podcasts. They won the 2019 iHeartRadio Podcast Award for Best Sports Podcast. And so I love the Fantasy Footballers, and last year on the show we had Jason Moore, uh, another one of the, the the co-hosts and founders uh, of the Fantasy Footballers. And so today we're having Andy on, and I think you'll really enjoy the conversation just about who he is and his life and his faith and, and then the, the, the journey of, of the Fantasy Footballers. And we'll talk a little fantasy and, and get his thoughts on, on a few players and, and the upcoming season. And I, I know there you know there's still some question marks surrounding the NFL season and will they be able to complete the full season and we, we had Eric Dickerson on the show as well this week and and he's not as confident in how the NFL will be able to to manage uh, the protocols and, and being able to, to keep players safe and, and all that kind of thing so uh, maybe a little more uh, on the doom and gloom side I'm trying to remain optimistic and and I know for Andy and, and the and any other fantasy football owner and and people that just love this time of year we're all rooting hard for fantasy football to be able to have a full season and that that means the the NFL has to have a full season so before we jump into Andy Holloway let me tell you about a few things first up let me thank our sponsor do you need to get your own health insurance well go to healthmarketgenius.com know your options it's healthmarketgenius.com support them as they support us. Also, if you're a big fantasy football owner or player and you're also a fan of Unpacking It, encourage you to check out unpackingit.com slash fantasy. We have three leagues that we are inviting you to join. And so the first league I'm, I'm especially excited about because this is very unique. I'm not sure how many other leagues like this you can find out there. And, and so, basically, it is a 32-team league where each fantasy owner is the owner of one NFL team's roster. So that means, my favorite team, if I own the Carolina Panthers, my roster for the year 
in, in fantasy consists of only players that are active on the Carolina Panthers roster. So that means I start the season with Teddy Bridgewater, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson. That's my team. And so if you want to be a part of this league, basically you buy your favorite team and, and the money goes to support unpacking it. And, and so teams like the Chiefs have already been bought. Even the Detroit Lions have been bought, but there are a ton of teams still available and you can find out more at unpackingit.com slash fantasy. If you want to be a part of our 12-team standard league, uh, you can be a part of that. It's a, it's a PPR league, but kind of your normal, more toward the lines of, of standard league. And then also we've got an auction league, 12-team league, that you can be a part of as well. And again, unpackingit.com slash fantasy. Last plug. So I wrote a book. It's called The Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. It takes fantasy football concepts, relates them to the Bible. It's designed to, to read throughout the season, basically one chapter per week. And you can discuss it with other members of your league. And if you join any of our Unpacking It leagues, we'll also be going through this book throughout the season. And you can be a part of those discussions on Google Meet uh, on video. So, hope you'll get involved and excited about everything going on here at Unpacking It with Fantasy Football. But right now, we got to talk fantasy football with one of the best. He's Andy Holloway from the Fantasy Footballers. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us right now on Unpacking It is Andy Holloway from the Fantasy Footballers. Andy, so great to have you on. How are you? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on. It's going to be, uh, we're going to have a good time. Absolutely. Well, I'm a fan of you guys and especially the the podcast. And so what was listening to one of the more recent ones and heard that you were out celebrating your wedding anniversary. So how did it go? How, how many years have you been married? Yeah, we celebrated uh, 14 years of marriage this year and a uh, bit of a weird year. I know we're all dealing with that. Um, but no, we just went up north. It, people are surprised. Uh, we're putting up the 115, 120 numbers here in Phoenix in terms of boiling hot temperatures. And uh, you can drive a couple miles or uh, basically 100 miles, hour and a half north. And you can drop 50 degrees and be in the wow. in the pine trees. So uh, we went up north for a, for a couple of days, hung out at a cabin, and got away from uh, you know this crazy year for a little while. Good for you. That that's awesome. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah. to, to do that next month. So all right. So you're of course uh, Mr. Fantasy. It's your life. It's your livelihood. How does your wife feel about fantasy football? <laughs> yeah, I, she certainly is on the side of. Um, she might not understand 90% of what we're saying on the show, but she's always been super supportive and uh, loves the excitement that she sees in, in not just our show, but in, you know, our eight year old who absolutely soaks up fantasy now. Really? All the, all, yeah, he just loves it. He just, he wears a Patrick Mahomes jersey like five out of seven days of the week wow. whenever it's, you know, halfway clean. So, you know, that's been a fun thing as the show's progressed too. having the three kids. We, we have an 11 year old, an eight year old and a five year old. You know, I've never really pushed fantasy on any of them, but it's funny how the personalities just certain personalities just take to it really quickly, analyzing stats, becoming huge fans of certain players. 
And so that's been fun. This past year was the first year that any of them wanted to play fantasy. And uh, yeah, the eight-year-old Nathan, he he soaked it up. He won. Uh, we did a father-son league where I invited some other listeners of the show with their uh. kids. And he won the whole thing. So <laughs> nowhere to go but down for him. Well, so how did that work? Were you co-owners? Uh, no, we, we each, each person had a, a okay. team. And so he, he won the whole fathers thing. and sons. And he won the whole darn thing. Beat me in the playoffs and everything. So wow. Patrick Mahomes took me down. That's funny. So how does that work? Is he looking for advice from dad? Are you giving it to him <laughs> if you're in the same league? I, I might have been helping a little bit. You know, I didn't <laughs> want to see him go down with the wrong guys in the lineup. But um, yeah, he, he had a blast. And, you know, he's got his little, you know, iPad and he can pull up draft kits and read about players and learn learn the deeper parts of fantasy football over the course of the year. And it's fun. I mean, fantasy to us on the show has always been just about that human connection in the league and having somebody to, to rib when you beat them or somebody to mock you when you lose somebody to a reason to root for a player on a different team or watch a Thursday night game between two losing franchises. And you don't care because you're rooting for three or four players in the game. It's just, it's a connection thing for us. So that's what we've always enjoyed. Absolutely. I'm, I'm the same way, and I, I've been in the same league with my high school buddies for 15, 16 years, that's maybe it, man. 17 years, however long it's been now. So, that's right. Uh, that's, so that's where it all began for me. So I was in high school. So I'm curious, what was your kind of fantasy football story <laughs> of, of how you got into it? What drew you to it initially? And, yeah. and then the second part of that is, what do you still love about it? And I guess which is what you kind of shared already. Yeah, so it's, yeah we'll, we'll go back a little bit. It's funny because I'm one of the three hosts, Mike Wright, Jason Moore, the other two guys. Uh, I've been friends with Jason for about 20 years, and we met in high school. And we tell this story. We just told it on the show. He was a junior in a freshman Spanish class. So figure that one out. He, he waited a little too long to take the class. I was the freshman in the class. And we actually bonded over playing basketball and playing fantasy basketball. That was the, my first experience in anything fantasy. Nice. Was fantasy basketball. And, uh, you know, we're talking the Sean Marion, Rick Smith's days uh, way back when. And I think we were playing on sandbox.com, which doesn't exist oh, anymore. Wow. Never heard of that. Do you remember, San, do you no, remember Sandbox? Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so so it was an old fantasy platform. And yeah, we played fantasy basketball on there. Uh I was kind of a web tech guy and uh so we we had connected over fantasy basketball, playing basketball, and uh I worked Jason ended up starting a company a few years later doing video games. And so I worked for him for 8 years doing video games. We had an inner office league as so many people do for fantasy football. I remember getting connected in that league. In my first year in fantasy football, I went 0-8 to start the season. I had way too many New Orleans Saints on my team, and they started <laughs> their season 0-8 or something like that. It's one of those things, I think, for me, my early connection to it was kind of the OCD component of being able to, every night when basketball was happening, I'd be refreshing you know, the box scores. You know, growing up as, as somebody you used to get the newspaper, and every day it was the box scores, and I used to be a Braves fan, and before the D-backs were out here, whatever, you know, triggered that kind of like statistical analysis part, that OCD of like, there's always something new to check. I just loved that. Mm. And so in with the internet and then your phone's in your pocket and all the technology coming out around fantasy just made it so accessible. Mm. You know, the, the old fantasy leagues used to be things where you'd, you could interview a newspaper and you'd mail it in and they'd mail you your stats at the end of the week, or you'd call a phone line. Like 
people don't realize that they were fighting to play fantasy back then. <laughs> you know, now it's like so simple and so easy. And I just, you know, people love having something to check and connect with. And I just, uh, that's, that's still my favorite part about it today is this, the technology component. You know, we, we were able to build a business that was, you know, not just the podcast, but it was also, you know, the draft kit and the website and being able to like further kind of iterate and create tools and, and things to kind of dig in deep. And that's, that's something with fantasy where there's not really a stopping point, mm. you know, where you can always do more research. You can always dig in a little deeper. You can always be following one more Twitter account. Yep. And, um, that's, I think that's what we love about it is it's just this very active community and now goes year round too, just with dynasty leagues and keeper leagues. So I think that's what, what I love about it. Yeah. And I think what's been so cool over the years too, is how many different changes we've seen with fantasy football and, and new wrinkles and new styles of, of play. But then at the same time, the core of it is still the same. And some of those, like you guys say, the home leagues, yeah. you know, those remain the same. And so just having been a part of the fantasy business, wh what are some of the things that jump out to you as far as some of those changes over the years and, and how even for you, fantasy has stayed fresh w without getting yeah. you know burned out or tired of it like you business-wise year-round? Yeah, and I think, I think to your first point, what draws everybody, the core of it is sitting down on Sunday and watching these players play. I mean, that's really the base of it all is, is you've got um, – and it's it's so funny right now with our like drought of sports. Everybody's dealing with like counting down the days to NBA and, and oh yeah MLB coming back. And it's like I don't know if I've ever anticipated sports coming back more than right now because <laughs> you know it's live television. You know you never thought that people could get bored with their Netflix and things like that. But I've talked to so many people that are just like I can't watch another show. Like it's a shared viewing experience, and that's at the core of it. But in terms of freshness, you know I think a lot of it has been going from these redraft leagues, which are leagues that, you know, you draft a team fresh and you play through the season and that team goes away. I think the migration into dynasty and to keeper leagues where people have some permanence to their roster and you further are simulating that kind of desire to be the general manager of an, an NFL team. I think that that's one of the things we've seen a lot of, of growth in and you have more and more people in keeper leagues, which I love, you know, you got two or three players, that you hang on to season to season. Um, but it just makes the off season fun. You know, we've got leagues that, you know, are our kind of league of record, so to speak, like your league where you've been with the same guys for, for 15 years. We have a Slack channel. We've got a, a Facebook group. Yep. We are constantly just talking about the NFL or doing trades that, you know, make headlines in our league in February because we've got these players on our team already and we're trading draft picks. So I think seeing it adapt to, a year round schedule has been really, really fun. So uh, that keeps me excited. And there've been other, you know, scoring wrinkles, being able to, you know, half, half point per reception, full point per reception leagues, adding, you know, multiple quarterbacks, doing things like that have been a lot of fun. Best ball leagues have, have really taken off over the last few years where you draft one team and then you never touch them. And, you know, the scoring is basically just picking the players that did the best that week all based on your draft day analysis. And, and that, those are fun too. We've never been, you know, people ask us all the time, how many leagues are you in? That's right. We've always been very intentional about keeping it smaller than people might expect. And we mm. end up in some industry leagues and we end up in, you know, I think we have like three or four core leagues, but any more than that would just be too much for me. And it would lose that attraction to 
you know, investment to your home league. Like if I can't identify with our listeners because I'm in 50 leagues and I'm rooting for every player, there's just, that's not fun to me. So we've always stopped that. That, that, That's great. I, I peaked right before I got married over 10 leagues and and have had to uh, (laughs) scale back. So I, I went to two for a while and I I got up to three last year, but how much of that was your wife asking you to please reduce your intake? (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was probably, I was being proactive. I I knew, I knew it was, I knew that it was uh, a little uncalled for to have that many leagues to to try to keep up with it. To your point, then you're just rooting for so many people. You can't keep up with it. You're not fully invested in all those leagues and, it makes it tough. What's interesting, though, so my main league from with my high school buddies, we actually shifted to keepers fairly early, and we did like a yeah. 10-year run with keepers, and we've gone the opposite direction. This year is the... Did tw- oh, you go redraft now? Yeah, we're doing the 2020 reset where we've, we've eliminated our three-tier system uh, okay. for keepers, and we're kind of starting over. So that's, that's our way of keeping you guys, it fresh. You guys probably missed drafting some of those top-tier guys, and you wanted to get back into the swing of that. Exactly. To never have a yeah. chance to get McCaffrey was kind of a bummer because the same guy yeah. had him and you know those types of players. So I um, hear you. So, yeah, so we're excited about that. But, but as far as uh, the, the, the story of the fantasy footballers, I think this is, this is fun to hear about. And, and last year on the show, we had Jason Moore, who, who's one of your co-founders and, and co-hosts uh, with the, the fantasy footballers. And he told us kind of his side of the story. But, but I want to kind of unpack that a little bit more just from, from your story and your, your side of things, because uh, you already mentioned that you guys work together, but then transition to starting your own business. So, so take us yeah. in. How did it all come about? And, and, and now how many years later are you guys still rolling? Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going back, uh, it's more than five years ago now. And it, it was, uh, it's always fun to kind of look back after a little time has passed and be marveling at, you know, God's providence at, at, at kind of how he brought us together. We don't really have a good answer as to why in some respects we had success or it came together because it just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we were done with this startup that did the video games, Jason's company. I'd worked there for eight years. It had kind of risen up to 30, 35 people. It, it dropped back down to, you know, a smaller group. And this was in the Facebook gaming heyday. And, and it was a blast. I mean, it, it's so fun to be a part of a startup with a bunch of people the same age. And we had a lot of fun doing that. And it was kind of like the window was closing. Honestly, Jason and I, we, we decided we're going to go into real estate. Okay. You know, that was what we did. So we actually launched uh, our podcast at the exact same time that we started going to real estate school. Mm. And uh, we're all three of us as hosts. We are, you know, we have a wife at home um, that wasn't working. We have three kids each, which was just the way it worked out. Did not plan, but they're all about the same age. So we're just kind of at the same stage of life. And here we are with a career transition, you know, when we're about 30 years old. And so in our minds, we're like, okay, we probably can't make money doing podcasting. Not enough to support these families. Yeah. And so we kind of, uh, we said, well, you know, real estate's a great side hustle. It's something we can build up. We felt like we could do it. And I still remember being in real estate school, refreshing our download numbers, you know, right in the middle of class, like looking at when we released episodes for the shows. And, you know, I don't think we realized that podcasting was kind of at that, uh, that point of growth, the same way fantasy was at the time. But we, we entered that space just basically wanting to create a fun engaging show. We wanted to commit to year round. No one was doing year round Mm. podcasts and we knew that was a big commitment, but you know, the wives were super supportive. I still don't understand how we kind of made it through that time period. We didn't take a paycheck from the podcast in six, seven months. Um, from the day we started, we were, you know, and once we started making some money, it was kind of like, 
that entrepreneur buy a month type of strategy. Can we get through the next month? Can we get through the next month? When do we reinvest money? You know, mm-hmm. when do we, I remember us spending the 3000 we had in the bank to fly out to a fantasy sports trade association conference just to network, you know, it was like, okay, do we spend all our money doing this? Yeah, let's do it. And it was, it was just bit by bit. And, and we had a lot of experience in developing a business. We never approached this as a hobby. It was always a business to us. It was always something that we wanted to be self-sustaining. We also had experiences with the previous business of like what debt does to companies. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of that Silicon Valley mindset. You know, so many companies are built on the back of venture capital. You don't own the business. You don't own the business decisions. You are angling to sell the company one day. But I really believed in bootstrapping it. And I really believed in the idea that we didn't want to leverage, you know, any of our, per, you know, we didn't want to personally insure debt. We didn't want to leverage ourselves decision-making wise. And we knew that getting to a sustainable point was going to be a lot easier if we, if, if we could bootstrap it. And, um, you know, every industry is different. I'm not holding that against anybody that needs to, you know, take capital to build a business. Lots of businesses are different, but that was just a, a deep conviction for us having been through the tech world. So that's what we did. You know, we went out and we set, set a goal to build it as a business, which meant making lots of different decisions about developing products. And some products had to bring you money right now, right? You're in an industry in fantasy that is seasonal. And it's like, okay, how do you, how do you make money 12 months of the year when you play football from September to December or January? So that was one thing we had to, to figure out. And, um, it was just piece by piece and, and three people that were really, really committed to quality on the product side. And we were in many ways just shocked at, at the provision and the listeners and the way that they rallied around the show. The neat thing about building your own entity and not being the Yahoo ESPN Yankees of the space, so to speak, <laughs> is that you have a camaraderie with your listeners and the podcasting space in general. I'm sure you've experienced this it's a different connection than maybe the radio world. It's more intimate. Uh, you have a, you know, we were very active on social media and connecting with our listeners from day one. And you find people that really want to support what you're doing more than just what they get out of it. Mm. And so we found that early on. And that was one of the ways that we built a sustainable business was you had people pledging support. You know, we, we spun up our foot clan community right away. We had the Patreon supporters and I think we were shocked at what percentage of those people were there just to keep us going as opposed to get me this product, get me this benefit, get me this extra feature, you know, which is, you know, we provided those things, but more people were just like, yeah, the season's over. I'm not getting anything out of it. I'm going to keep pledging to you because I want to keep you doing what you're doing. So that was pretty, pretty big early on. I love it. Very, very cool. The fantasyfootballers.com is the website and you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Holloway. And, and just so, so neat to, to see you guys continue to uh, grow and, and really be the standard in fantasy football as far as content goes and, and being personalities and the quality of your show uh, is excellent. And, and you continue to get recognized for that, uh, which is awesome. But, but the other great part about you guys is just your, your focus on, on family and, and faith and, and camaraderie, and, and that just uh, comes through with, with you know, how you guys interact and, and, and how you represent yourselves. And, and so we'd love to hear a little bit about your faith journey and, and, and maybe share with our, our listeners today some of the, the, the key de- defining you know, seasons of life where you've really seen God reveal himself to you and, and, and ultimately change your life. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, really 
just to tie it into that last question, one of the reasons that we had a lot of success and that any business can have success is having the leadership have a shared worldview and have a shared perspective on what business should be. Mm. You know, one of the things that I muse about or talk about a lot is how you define success mm. in your life. And we were very fortunate that the three of us didn't have a different definition of success or an American kind of definition of success. It was just as important to us to have a, like you said, a family centered business, one where our decisions aren't being driven entirely by the revenue stream, one that makes a positive impact, one that um, hopefully in our small niche world helps to better align you know, this space with what it represents to us, which is connection and, and inclusion and being able to, you know, you're not hiding from your family in the basement while you watch football. You are including them. You know, I talk about father-son league that I had with my eight-year-old. You know, that's a fun aspect that everybody can enjoy. So we're not curing cancer, no question about that. But in our space, we wanted to be a very positive influence. And so, you know, having a shared faith is key to that and a shared worldview and having a biblical worldview. And so for, for me in my life, you know, I grew up in a, a Christian home, you know, one of those more insulated, you know, middle class. We didn't have too much. We didn't have too little, very ordinary, you know, American life. And, you know, went to church on Sundays and Sundays was for church. And that was kind of when I thought about God. And, you know, we all have different stories growing up and how we were exposed to a biblical worldview. And, you know, really in my teenage years, it kind of, uh, I remember being 16, 17 years old, being a part of a youth group at a different church and seeing this young family that led it, you know, their faith impacted every day of their lives. Mm. And this was novel to me. You know, I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a, you know, in trouble type of kid, but I certainly didn't put my faith first. Mm. It was something that was peripheral. It was for Sunday mornings. It was when I kind of felt like doing a study for a week here or there because somebody told me to. And when I was when I was 17, 18 years old, really, that's when I opened the Word of God and started having an exposure to His Word. And obviously, by that exposure, I started to be convicted of my own life and my own sin and uh, my need for Christ and and what life was supposed to be, you know, in serving Him and not not myself. So, as a an adolescent at that time, you know, I just had a fire for the Word of God, and and you know, Jason uh, and myself, we both have had stints in Bible college. I thought I might be a a teacher one day, who knows if that day will come someday in the distant future. But, you know, really that, that was kind of the turning point in my life where I knew that I wanted my life to represent Christ in the best way that I could. And, um, we wanted that to be a part of our family, wanted that to be a focus of our family. So, you know, that worldview coming into our business, um, you know, we don't make every decision right. And we don't make every, not every motivation is perfect, but we do have that central worldview where we are not serving ourselves. And we would rather be proud of the product we put out than just being able to have the next accolade or have the next financial milestone of success. So that's kind of central to what we do. And it, you know, it goes beyond Jason and Mike. It goes to, you know, just some incredible employees that we have people that are the backbone of what we do. I mean, it's just, we owe everything to those, those guys at our company. So, um, it's been a really special five years. We've been blessed. We've had the opportunity to connect with so many unique individuals and the listeners that we have. We've been able to learn how podcasting or something as silly as fantasy football can have a unique 
impact in people's lives yeah. where, because they build, they build you into their routines and into their drives to work or their workout days or their Sunday morning mowing the lawn time. And, uh, you know, we've heard incredible stories of people that have been in the hospital for six months recovering from something. And all they do is listen to you every day. And you don't realize it until we we've had a couple of these live tours where we've gone out and we're shaking hands afterwards. And you hear these stories. You're like, man, these people know you so well. Mm. They know you as people so well. So I, I think we're really, uh, we're surprised. We're proud of the fact that people can see us. You know, we're not putting up a pretend, you know, <laughs> that's one of the big things when people ask me, how do you start a podcast that's successful? Don't start by imitating somebody else and being somebody else. That's a, we're not going to go be Matthew Barry. That's not our goal. Um, we're not going to go be NPR. That's not our goal. We just wanted to be ourselves. And if people connect with you, then you've got something. And if they don't, they can go listen to something else as far as I'm concerned. And that's totally fine. There's a lot to choose from, right? No, no question. Well, gosh, it's cool to, to hear, you know, how God has continued to work in, in your, your life and, and how it's, it's been the motivation or the, the foundation, I should say, for the, the, the rise of the, the fantasy footballers the, these last five years. And, and to have Jason on the show last year to hear his heart and, and now to have you on. Uh, it's just encouraging. So it's it's awesome to to, to hear. And and as someone who loves fantasy football and uh, enjoys listening to to your show, uh, to know yeah who who you guys are um, ultimately and what matters most is is great to hear. So I uh, appreciate you sharing that. And, and and I'll ask too, just with these last couple of months, I know it's just been such a a heightened time for emotions <laughs> and yeah. introspection and and. You mentioned worldview and all those kinds of things. And so for you, what have the last few months just done in, in strengthening your faith, challenging your faith, maybe altering certain perspectives on, on God or people? <laughs> what, what have you been experiencing? Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a wild ride over the last six months. And when I reflect on the uncertainty in the world, all of the things that have taken place, it certainly has been a call to dependency on the Lord and mm-hmm. on his day-to-day provision. You know, we are, you know, told not to, you know, make these plans for the future. And yet we do because inherently we are deceived sometimes by the fact that our world is going normal. You have good health, all these things. The reality is God is always in control and he can always take you from one moment to the next. That hasn't changed. That reality has always been there. And yet with COVID and with the kind of uh, circumstances we're in now, it's brought before your face. It's mm-hmm. brought before your eyes in a different way where uh, you have to reckon with it. You have to reckon with the reality that you are not in control of very much in this world. Right. And uh, I think that that has been the real jarring, convicting, heart-changing reality. You know, you you have your plans and you think that that they're secure. And, and the reality is, is that at any moment things can change. And uh, I think it's been a call to me personally to just have that day-to-day dependence, not worry about tomorrow because I can control my attitudes and my mental health and my thought processes today. Everybody's facing it together right now. We're all, we're all staring down uncertainty mm. for the first time in, in, in a lot of our lives. You know, we didn't, you know, I can, I can talk to my grandparents or my, my great uncle who's gone through these different times in their lives that we've never gone through. Mm. We haven't gone through the, the world wars. We haven't gone through the tumult that they've gone through. And, and it's our opportunity to, I think, uh, maybe just align ourselves better with the, a biblical worldview of, of tomorrow. 
mm. and God's, you know, our, our ability to depend on him day to day and realize that, man, I'm <laughs> what, what has 2020 got in store beyond, beyond oh, now? I mean, we don't know. So I think that's been what's woken us up. And, and really, I think what people hopefully when we get through this can be thankful for is those conversations within the family mm. that it's provided the opportunity for, you know, I, I was very sick in March. It wasn't COVID, but I had like a month long sickness. There oh, was wow. all the COVID stuff starting to happen. And, you know, in the moment, it's very painful, but it also afforded opportunities to talk about these things that we're talking about with my children, mm. things that I, we, we wouldn't have had those conversations. I, I am the first one to admit, I wouldn't have taken the initiative to sit down on the couch and have that conversation, even though I should have, you know, these negative circumstances in the moment provided very positive, fruitful conversations. So I think that we'll see more and more of that over time. And hopefully we can, you know, have that mix of Thanksgiving with the trial. I love it. Mix of Thanksgiving with the trial. That's a good, good yeah. line uh, from, from Andy. And, and so, yeah, lo- love uh, talking about, you know, real life and, and the reality of, of what we're all uh, facing and of course, what what's so fun about fantasy football is it is an outlet, and and it is something that we uh, we have fun and enjoy. And we've been threatened with uh, the NFL. <laughs> is it is it coming back? And I, I, know, I know we we've got our big uh, draft coming up here soon, and and wondering, all right, who's coming, and are we going to have the NFL? All that sort of thing. <laughs> and and so I guess the, the the big question, and we'll talk a little fantasy football with you as we we wrap things up. As far as the virus, how is it affecting and what it could do to the NFL? How is it affecting your strategy, philosophy, approach to this season compared to years past? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. I mean, this is, you know, what's the word everyone keeps using? Unprecedented? Is that the, that's the new uh, refrain for 2020? Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, and, and you have the NFL and the NFLPA coming out, and they don't, at least publicly seem to know what tomorrow is going to bring in terms of, you know, player safety. And, and so from our perspective, from a fantasy perspective, it is all about preparing for an uncertain type of season. It, you know, we had a discussion on the show the other day about IR spots and adding unlimited IR spots to every, every league, just so that you have the flexibility to put players that end up on, I don't know if we'll call it COVID IR or whatever, you know, it could be three, four weeks where players are, are quarantined and having to sit out. I think just creating a flexible environment for your league is the best thing that you can possibly do right now. We don't know if we're going to have a full season. We don't know if it's going to be on time. We don't know if it's going to mean three or four players are out every week or 30 players are out or that season's going to get canceled. So we don't control much of that. We're moving forward. We think the NFL is going to move forward. Got about $10 billion of revenues worth of reasons to do so. (laughs) But every day is brand new. And right now we're just... uh, pressing forward with that kind of flexibility mindset, knowing that we might have to pivot tomorrow. Well, so my thought at this point is when I'm heading into my drafts, I don't want to draft rookies. I, I really, I'm, I'm trying, I'm staying away from <laughs> I, yeah. rookies. I'm staying away from guys that are on new teams. To me, it's just continuity. Yeah. yeah. So I, where do you come out on that? Yeah, that is, that's a, a worthwhile thought, especially with things like, um, you know, Tua in Miami, Justin Herbert, rookie quarterbacks that, maybe in a different off season would have had the opportunity to prove themselves oh, yeah. and supplant the starters. Um, even, even rookie running backs that, you know, we'd be as fantasy football, you know, team owners, we'd be salivating over every practice report where Jonathan Taylor 
running back for the Colts gets a first team rep or oh, Clyde yeah. Edwards Alaire in Kansas City gets a first team rep. We might not have the luxury of doing that. So I, I understand that viewpoint of kind of avoiding the rookies or at least recognizing that it might take an extra three or four weeks for those players to establish them, themselves. I also would be looking at players on teams that have continuity. Teams like Kansas City that has very little turnover on offense and defense. Same head coach, same offensive system. It's really hard to predict things like uh, you know Carolina has a brand new head coach, a brand new quarterback. Uh, a complete change in offensive philosophy doesn't mean that that can't bear fruit for fantasy, but I don't know what it's going to look like. And I'm not going to get to watch a preseason game to even find out. That's so, right. so yeah, that is, that is a good perspective to have. I think is it, you know, and a lot of these decisions are about splitting the difference between two players mm-hmm. and maybe you side on that non-rookie, the veteran, if they're very close in your draft, you know? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning at this point. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, yeah, some of those reports come out and maybe I could be swayed at some point, but, <laughs> that's um, right. but, but we'll see. All right. Let's, let's run through just a couple quick things. Uh, who, who's the player that maybe let you down last year that you still haven't given up on that you might go back to the well. Oh my gosh. Last year. Well, all my predictions were absolutely perfect throughout <laughs> the season. So there's just no possible way. No, I, I think there are a couple of players that we talk about fantasy burns on the show yeah. where you have an expectation for somebody, they don't quite meet it. And then you don't, you kind of want to avoid them. And that can be a big mistake because, you know, we call it the post hype sleeper type of thing. Um, you know, players like Chris Carson fit that category mm-hmm. where to some people, he was a, a great surprise. He had a, a good season, but then you have the fumbling issues and the injuries and things like that, where he's dropping down draft boards. He jumps out to me. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is another player that, by every metric, underperformed compared to his opportunity. I mean, him and Leonard Fournette were the least efficient inside the red zone. So everybody just despises them because of, or, or despises Love Bell because of the draft capital they spent on him. They spent such a high draft pick. He disappointed them. That's a player I'd be looking to have a bounce back season just based on getting the ball as often as he does. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, when you talk about kind of a guy making the leap into the upper echelon. To me, that's a player like Josh Jacobs this year mm. in Oakland. He had a really good rookie year, but he missed three games with injury, wasn't throwing the ball a lot. And all of a sudden you look at him and you go, why is he not in that upper tier, have that opportunity to maybe be a top five, top six back? So those are some players that kind of come to mind. And it's hard. It's hard to let those burns go. It is. It really is. I, I'm, I'm. Jason was this way too last year with Carry On Johnson. I, I was oh. on the Carry On train, and I'm, I'm, I'm not full because I still think he's really talented, but he just got injured <laughs> last year. So it's so does Jason. <laughs> I, so we're we're still holding holding on hope. Uh, what, I know. What, what about a player that you are willing to draft, maybe even around early, because you just want him. You want him on your team this year. Man, man, yeah, that's that's a good question. I would have answered Raheem Mostert if it wasn't for like the past two weeks and him yeah. requesting a trade. What's up with I've been that? Willing, I, you know, just to throw a little uh, problem into the mix there. But uh, he, he still might be the answer in respect that he's dropping down draft boards. I think he'll still be in San Francisco. I think he'll still be a big part of the offense. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton's a player that I'm keeping my eye on. Yes, undervalued. He, uh, it seems to be undervalued. He's got Phillip Rivers this year. When he's healthy, he is one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. Um, and I think I'm going to take my shot on A.J. Green. Maybe he's my carry on Johnson uh, <laughs> where I'm holding out hope for too long. But he's going in the eighth or ninth round. And this is this is a player that when healthy, you know, rivals the Julio Jones of the world from an athletic standpoint. 
yes, he's got a rookie quarterback, but eighth round pick, you draft him in the seventh round to make sure he's on your roster. And maybe you have a starter from day one. Um, I I'm willing to do it. Mm, I like it. All right. So what about a player that you're not buying the hype player that I am not buying the hype on? There are several players that are in that category. Chris Godwin's going very, very high. Mm. I have a little bit of uncertainty on whether he can sustain that with the change at quarterback. Will Deandre Hopkins be able to, uh, sustain that kind of production that he's had year over year? It's hard for wide receivers to switch teams. Some have done it. The Brandon Marshalls of the world have done it and had monster seasons, but that's that's a difficult situation. I'm big on Calvin Ridley. He's one player I do buy the hype on. I think Calvin Ridley somebody that uh, can move into that upper echelon. I think we've had questions about A.J. Brown, wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans last year, had an amazing end of the season, but really put up these metrics that were like you know 20.2 yards per catch, uh, big play type of guy scoring Beast. more often than you think he would. Um, so that that's a player that I'm kind of I'm, I'm teetering on the edge of. And a lot of decisions in fantasy, it's not just do you buy the hype. It's what are you paying in yeah, the draft? Exactly. Yeah, because you can take a chance on a player if the cost is very low and there's not a lot of negative outcome for your team. But if you spend a very high draft pick on a Chris Godwin and he goes from the number three or four receiver to eight, nine, 10, it's not going to be worthwhile. That's a good point. Yeah, because I, I like A.J. Brown a lot too, but yeah, to have to waste a fairly early pick on him, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's all going to be draft price for him. Yeah, yeah, because they, they don't throw enough necessarily to to warrant that. So, I know. Um, but they're one of those teams that they're kind of running it back, so you kind of know what to expect a little bit Some with the continuity, Titans. absolutely. Yeah. Those are the teams I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for, for sure. All right, well, uh, last thing, the the ultimate draft kit. Let's let's do a quick uh, oh, encouragement to the, the listeners to check that out. What, what do they need to do, and, and what, what will they get from the ultimate draft kit? Yeah, and I think the hype is starting to build, by the way. I think this NFL, NFLPA, I think we're going to have some football this year. I think you're going to start seeing in the next week or two a lot of excitement. And so with that will come fantasy drafts. We have the ultimate draft kit. You just go to ultimatedraftkit.com. It is a tool to equip you to have a better draft day. Do all of your off-season research. We've got player profile videos and write-ups and things like that. So um, it's it's kind of our banner uh, product each and every year. We spend lots of time on it. So if you want to check that out, like I said, it's ultimatedraftkit.com. And, you know, I don't think you'll be disappointed in, in adding it to the arsenal. Absolutely. And then the, the website is thefantasyfootballers.com to get everything, the podcast, the articles, and, and keep up with all the great fantasy content uh, from Andy and the other guys. And you can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Holloway. Andy, great to have you on Unpacking It. Really appreciate it. And, and keep up the great work with the fantasy footballers. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on and uh, keep up the good work over there. Awesome. Thanks, man. There's Andy Holloway joining us here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio to unpack the conversation with Andy Holloway. And, man, what's better than talking faith and fantasy football and family? Uh, what a great guy Andy is. Really down to earth. Just a cool guy. So I, I really enjoyed that conversation. Hope you did as well. And the, the, the line for me that I wrote down was Thanksgiving with the trial. 
that, that we would have Thanksgiving with the trial. And the reality is we are all in this trial right now with the pandemic. It's been going on for a long time. We're always talking about it. We're always thinking about it. And is it possible to continue to have Thanksgiving in the midst of what we're going through? And I would say yes, I I would. I really would because I I believe that that God is still continuing to, to bless us in so many ways and we can't always view blessings uh, on the surface. Like I think we have to go deeper to recognize, you know, how God reveals Himself and and what He provides to us. And you know, I think even being thankful that for a lot of people they're working at home and there there are a lot of positives that come from it. Now the other end is true as well, where there are negatives. But but I think for many people who have now gotten off the road from so much so much travel they're now home and 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 able to be around their kids more and and so that's a blessing and and there's thanksgiving in that i think there there are you know plenty of people struggling financially right now but there are also businesses that are now doing really well in the midst of all of this and so there's thanksgiving there but then when you go you know deeper in in the heart level and it's being thankful that okay in some ways, life has slowed slowed down. Now I can spend more quiet time with the Lord. Now I can have you know more uh, you know breaks in my day uh, versus having to spend so much time in traffic driving to you know to appointments or, or you know whatever you, your job may entail. And and so there are blessings there. So we, we just have to you know look beyond our, our circumstances, go deeper at times, being thankful just that we get to experience God's glory, that we get to experience His love, that we get to experience His peace, we get to experience His joy, all in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the pandemic. And we can be uh, thankful and have thanksgiving with the trial. And it's just a great line, and and wanted to to share that again. And it actually falls in line too with with a devotional uh, that I wrote this week for Unpack This, uh, where I talked about two types of sports fans: one who always complains, and and then the one who is actually thankful and and kind of approaches watching sports with thanksgiving. And so you can go read that uh, on unpackingit.com and subscribe to Unpack This. But let me share just a couple of the verses. Again, this concept of with thanksgiving. So a couple psalms. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Then in Philippians, it says, do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your requests known to God. And so, uh, man, that's uh, just a tremendous perspective. And it's so difficult to have to, to really live with thanksgiving, especially in the midst of a trial. But uh, let's be encouraged to, to do that. Let, let's wake up with a thankful heart, a thankful mindset, a thankful approach to the day, man, it changes, it changes everything. It, cha- it just changes our whole demeanor and, and outlook on, on life. And, and ultimately, you know, being thankful for Jesus, for his love, and for uh, what he did on the cross. 
And so we'll end it right there. But thanks to Andy Holloway for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. And don't forget to check out unpackingit.com slash fantasy. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.